Breaking live from the ESPN 690 and the Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Hey, welcome in here on a Monday. Shock your mock Monday. One month from the NFL draft. The Jacksonville Jaguars have the number one overall pick. They are trying to shop that sucker. You can tell anytime they get a chance. Or we might trade back, Doug Peterson says today. Ah, Doug, we all know. Nobody's trading up for number one. I just can't see it happening. I doubt it's going to happen. But shock your mock season begins today, one month from the NFL draft. And we were at the owners' meetings here on a Monday in South Florida, actually making our way back. Uh, four reports coming up tonight on CBS 47, Fox 30, and or right here on ESPN 690, Action Sports Jacks. My one-on-one with Doug Peterson coming up a little bit later on in the show. We have that planned for the 5 o'clock hour. But you'll hear from Doug. Uh, because he talked on the podium as well, and a lot of topics coming out of the NFL owners' meetings, including overtime uh, from an NFL standpoint, but more importantly, some of the news on the Jags, including the retirement of Brandon Linder. Maybe the biggest story of the day? We're all together again, kind of. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, back from the slopes and the snowboarding. Casey Kurtz feeling better, I think. Uh, especially after the U.S. men's national team won in Orlando yesterday and uh, now have almost, almost clinched a spot in the uh, World Cup. Austin Lane, what's happening? How was it, man? I was Steamboat Springs, Colorado. Yeah, it was fun, man. It was a good time. Um, thankfully, didn't get too hurt. Thought I might have dislocated my shoulder for a second, <laughs> but we didn't. Um, just just a little tricep uh, nick here or there, but nothing major. Uh, but, yeah, a lot happened since I was gone. So you guys had a lot to talk about. Um, and I think my biggest takeaway is that Urban Meyer doesn't know who Aaron Donald was. And when I first met Urban Meyer, he said my first and last name. So Urban Meyer knew me um, before he knew Aaron Donald. And as far as I'm concerned, that's a feather in my cap. So shout out to Urban Meyer uh, for the, being the real MVP. That's it, baby. Still a big fan of the program, Urban Meyer. See, yeah. that's what happens when you do a radio show. Hey, Aaron yeah. Donald, you can sack as many people as you want, make as many millions as you want, win all pro, all defensive player of the year, whatever the heck they call them. doesn't matter. Get your own radio show in Urban Meyer. We'll know who you are. That's exactly. the lesson learned here for no, Aaron. No, no, for sure. So it was a great confidence booster um, when I read that article. So shout out to Urban Meyer. Thank you, man. <laughs> By the way, you were the only one that read that article and got a confidence boost out of it. Oh, no, for sure. I mean, hey, he's he's gone. Like, I mean, everything else is kind of just, uh, I get it. People are still frustrated about it. We still talk about him. But he's gone now. You know, he's been replaced. It's all good. But it was just a, a little confidence boost that I never thought I was going to need. But, yeah, it, it provided that for me. So, I just said this to somebody the other day, man, uh, which is, is really, and we feel this, right, on the show. We talked to Urban so much. And I actually said that day on the show when that article came out, which I think we had an idea of a lot of that stuff. Sure, there was some more anecdotal inf- information. Obviously, DJ Chark quotes added to it. But I said, all right, what do you, you want to talk about this or not, Jacksonville? Because I really get the sense and we get the sense that people have just like, all right, let's close that chapter and move on from Urban. I'm done with Urban. I don't want to talk about Urban anymore. And I think uh, that's the sense of the fan base, obviously the sense of the organization, too, as they move ahead. And um, a totally different feel around Doug Peterson. I, I'll tell you, I've been to a few of these owners' meetings over the years. I think uh, Gus Bradley, I think Doug Marone, and now Doug Peterson. I didn't go to the owners' meetings last year. Of course, I, the world was a little bit different. And they alternate between Arizona and Florida. And so when they're in Arizona, we haven't gone. But we have gone to several in Florida. And we've also seen the Jacksonville Jaguars coach in different settings, like at the Combine and other places. Well, 
I'll tell you this, Austin. It's like it's different with Peterson. He's got a Lombardi trophy, and he coached in a very big market in Philadelphia. When we were in uh, Indianapolis for the Combine, when he went to the podium, like he did stuff with us off to the side, but when he went to the podium, there were there were a ton of people around Doug's like booth and podium asking questions. A lot of former Philadelphia reporters, or well, they're still Philadelphia reporters, but asking about the days of Doug Peterson and being back in it, and Carson Wentz is a big topic and all that. Well, again today, around his booth, there was John Osier from Jaguars.com, myself, and that's it from the local contingent. And so I thought it would be relatively small. No, the questions keep firing away at Doug Peterson because the Philly guys are there, so they're still asking more. The Washington guys are asking about Carson Wentz, and he's also a sounding board on a lot of issues in the NFL, from overtime to uh, aggressive fourth down play to other things like that, where I haven't experienced that much before with, with uh, a Jags head coach in settings like this. And it just shows you, I think, some of the respect uh, that Doug Peterson has, and a lot of it's because of what he did in Philly and, of course, the ultimate raising the Lombardi trophy. Yeah, I mean, I think when you talk about Doug Peterson, you're talking about a few things. I mean, first of all, I think he's very outgoing um, um, and very personable. Well, there's some NFL coaches out there that maybe kind of give you the cold shoulder uh, or give you, like, the traditional coach speak. Um, I, don't, I don't think Doug Peterson's really cut from that cloth, uh, which, you know, if you're in the media, it makes it refreshing. I mean, Urban Meyer was kind of like that, too, for a while, but then, you know, everything happened, what happened there. So um, you're getting that with Doug Peterson, obviously winning the Super Bowl and winning it how he did where they were the underdogs the entire playoff run. You know, you did lose your starting quarterback that essentially got you there, that was playing at an MVP-type level, and you being the offensive-minded guy somehow – you know, meticulated and, and and calculated how you could still win a Super Bowl without your starting quarterback. So there's something to be said about that. And then obviously being in, in the city of Philly, where it's hard to coach for, I think, regardless, but especially, you know, hard to coach for when things are going well because those fans have no problem telling, you know, telling you how they feel. So I think the combination of those three things makes Doug Peterson a, a pretty likable guy, number one, but makes a guy that, you know, if you're in the media, you want to talk to and, and kind of get his opinions about, you know, numerous things. Yeah, and I, I think the respect level is there for sure. In fact, uh, uh, you'll see it on TV a little bit later tonight. You might hear it in our interview. I think you probably will hear it toward the end of our interview at 5 o'clock, but <laughs> toward the end of the interview, where, where I was asking him a question, I think more about culture and the building, and uh, I can't see this person, but they walk by in the hallway and they yell, Duval, nice. <laughs> and and I'm like that sounds like Mike Vrabel, and well Peterson stops and, uh, and kind of acknowledges him, and I was like, yeah, that was Mike Vrabel, Vrabel sure. yelling Duval, yeah. <laughs> and so to Peterson it just shows you I think you know the other thing about Peterson when it comes to sounding board and issues and things like that is he played in the league for a long time Austin. So he knows the league, and I think there's a respect level from playing in the league for as long as he did, and I think Doug had a little bit of that, too, when he was the head coach. But, I mean, this guy's been around a lot of good football, a lot of good football players, even as a player. And so uh, I think all the things you just said are right and, and continue to be accurate. Part of the reason we come down the NFL owners' meetings for radio and for the TV side here on Action Sports Jacks is to get to know Doug a little bit, follow this journey in, in year one. And we've been, obviously, the introductory news conference. We've now been to the Combine, and now here we are in South Florida at the owners' meetings. And this guy does exude everything that we've heard about him in terms of being a good dude. And I, I, 
lived a couple hours last week. And, and there's no doubt his presence has already been felt. I don't think it was going to take much to uplift that building after what transpired last year. But I think they have the right guy to do it in that sense, too. No, I mean, anytime you bring in someone, whether it's a player, whether it's a coach that has Super Bowl experience, um, not to say that that means everything, but you're probably going to you know, trust them a little more right off the get-go. You're, you're, you're going to believe in them just a little more right off the get-go because they know what it takes. They know what it looks like. Um, and Doug Peterson definitely knows that. And I think, yes, being a, a former player and playing as long as he did, I mean, I'm sure he probably went against Mike Vrabel. I'm not sure if their, their years would line up, but I'm sure they probably played against each other um, at least one time in their careers. So, yeah, you definitely earn a respect um, in terms of your peers and that group when you have spent so long in the NFL as a coach and obviously as a player as well. All right, how big of a hole. When I was doing the interview uh, with Doug Peterson, I was actually grilling him about Brandon Linder uh, for a couple of questions. I said, last time we talked about this, this was very open-ended on the future of Brandon Linder. And there's been a scuttlebutt around about retirement, but i got to be honest with you, Austin, I was more thinking about a possible restructure. And I didn't read the room very well here, I guess, because I was thinking more from a restructuring standpoint. Could there be a little bit of a rift? Does he want to do that? How much do the Jags want to pay, considering I think he was due about $10 million, and he hadn't played a lot of football uh, because of the injuries the last couple of years? Well, this was obviously more based on retirement. Even Doug's like, well, he's got some decisions to make. And I even asked about restructuring. And he's like, well, I'm not sure I'd say that. <laughs> but mm -hmm. he knew, I think he probably knew it was coming out in the next 24 hours or so. I don't know if he knew it was coming out in the next, like, five minutes after our interview. Like, we had literally stopped the interview. And a couple minutes later, Brandon Linder announces on Instagram that he's retiring. The Jags, I think, have officially announced it now just moments ago. But uh, did that catch you by surprise? And what kind of hold does that leave now on the offensive line for the Jacksonville Jaguars? They do have a reliable Tyler Shatley, but are you comfortable with him being the man at center? I mean, well, with Brandon Lindner retiring, I mean, I, I am a little bit surprised that, that it happened right now. I mean, the way that Balky and Peterson spoke about him, you got the sense that, you know, something might have been up, whether it was going to be a trade, whether it was going to be a, like a restructuring of the contract, whether Linder wanted to do that or not. Like, you felt like something just wasn't right in terms of some of the verbiage that was used. But I also didn't expect Brandon Linder to retire. But, you know, when, when you look at his comments and what he said and just what he's been through, I mean, you know, your mind could say, hey, let's keep on playing. But sometimes your body just kind of lets you down a little bit. I think that was the case um, in Brandon Linder's standpoint where, you know, he, he, had, he had a multiple um, list of injuries uh, that probably slowed him down a little bit. And then his body's just banged up and um, he chose to walk away. And by the way, good for Brandon Linder because a lot of players in this league don't get to choose when they walk away. And thankfully, Brandon Linder did. And I think a, a player to his skill set, a player to his leadership and talents deserves to say when he's done and when he wants to pursue something else. In terms of what you're replacing, well, number one, you're replacing the longest tenured Jaguars right now uh, on, the, uh, on the roster. So that means something right there. It's, it's a guy who's been around for a lot. Um, it's been a, a guy who has seen some, uh, a little good, we'll just say, and obviously a lot of bad. But having you know, the most experienced player in that locker room, losing him, it does mean something. Being, being a, a captain. Um, does mean something. And kind of being an anchor when he's healthy, you know, a pretty dependable and reliable offensive lineman, that means something as well. So to answer your question about Tyler Shatley, can Tyler Shatley come in and replace Brandon Linder? 
I, I don't think necessarily replace him, but I think he, he can be serviceable enough to where if he has to start a few games, I think you're comfortable with him doing that because Shatley's been kind of like that swing guy, it seems like, the past decade or so. So I think he can definitely fill the role, but I also think there could be room for upgrade if the Jaguars choose to do that. Well, yeah, I think this, I, I just tweeted out and getting people involved here in this, this discussion, tell us what you think, but it go a couple of ways, right? You could go spend some of that money in free agency that just opened up with Brandon Linder, or you can go in the draft. You have, what, a dozen picks now in this NFL draft. Do they go in the draft? I think they will. I think they'll go that route. I think they'll be comfortable enough with Tyler Shatley, who now has a little bit of an experience and rapport with Trevor Lawrence, and he's just got enough experience over the years to be a starting center in the NFL. Is he going to be an all-pro? Probably not. But to be honest with you, I can't tell you even how much better Linder is than him. I don't know the position well enough. I think this guy has been really good. He's been dependable. And I think he'll be the starting center this year um, as I see it right now, unless unless they want to take a, a big jump to go get a, a star center or a at least heavily touted guy, maybe with 33 overall or even trade back into the first round, would you advise them going that route, Austin, or do you think better in free agency? Because keep in mind, if you go high draft pick, that might eliminate getting a playmaker at number 33 or 65 instead. No, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, do you spend a high draft pick on a center? Yeah, you know, if you see a center taking the second or third round, I think sometimes you kind of – scoff off a little bit and say, like, what are you wasting that pick for? But keep in mind where Doug Peterson's coming from, where they had one of the best centers um, in the game in Kelsey, you know, Jason Kelsey, where yes. they were allowed to do a lot of things because of the skill set that Jason Kelsey um, brought to the table in terms of speed, quickness, and his ability to to pull, regardless if it's going right or going left. Um, you know, there's a reason why he's considered a, among his peers as probably the best center right now in the league. So when we talk about a guy like Jason Kelsey and Doug Peterson having worked with him, I do wonder if if, a, if an upgrade is available for Doug Peterson to take. But at the same time, you have other needs that are pressing, I think, wide receiver being one of them. So I would rather see Tyler Shatley, you know, fill that role right now as a starter, maybe take somebody maybe deeper on in the draft and focus on getting Trevor Lawrence another weapon. Yeah, I think I would too. I think I'm comfortable with Tyler Shatley being the guy for now, if that's going to be the case. Um, we will see what they choose to do and how it unveils itself. Now, I think there's a guy like J.C. Treader out there who obviously has leadership abilities. He's the head of the NFLPA, and so he'd bring experience. I think he's a good player. Uh, again, if we're sitting here judging centers, I mean, I'm probably the wrong guy to get in that conversation. Of this guy is X amount better than this guy. But that's a name that I think people know and, and maybe could be somebody the Jags look into from a free agent standpoint if they want to solidify the position. But I, I think they're going to go with Tyler Shatley for now. That's my gut. Uh, and then see what happens in the uh, NFL draft. We will talk a little bit about that right side of the line. I, I think we got a little nugget today that Walker Little and Jawan Taylor, it, it's headed that way for a battle in camp, and that might be the most interesting battle, quite frankly, we've had around here in uh, in a long time, not just on the offensive line, but in any position. Uh, so before we get to a break and also more football, I want more on this uh, on the slopes, man. You almost separated your shoulder. Uh, you, you get a dinged-up bicep. You're yeah. okay, right? If you need, if the cage calls, you're okay. Oh, no, I was, um, yeah, I was, how many back, runs I was back did we get? In, okay, good. How, how many, I mean, how many times did you head down the slope? How much ski, snowboarding was it? Oh, you? I mean, it was it was nonstop. Like, usually we, we started at, it would have been 8.30 is what like, they call it first chair. So, like, the first chair runs at 8.30, and we probably went, 
uh, till about two or three with a probably a 45 minute break in between. So we went a lot um, in terms of runs. I mean, it's you know it has some of the longest runs uh, in the entire country. So like each run could probably take you five six minutes. So we probably got ten to fifteen runs a day. I would say. So yeah, it was it was a lot of snowboarding. Um, sore elevation gets to you as well. But a great time. The people in Steamboat Springs are really cool. And this is a cool thing, too. So we were we were at downtown, which I say downtown. It's it's a very, like, ski town-oriented feel, so it's very small. But downtown, the first night that we were out, we're at this bar where there's uh, karaoke going on. Um, and a guy comes up to me. He goes, Lane, I love your show. I go, I turn around. I'm like, who, what? And it was a guy from Jacksonville who um, happened to be there skiing as well uh, in Steamboat Springs and said he was a big fan of the show, so I don't remember his name because yeah. Had, so he's talking about this show. Yeah, yeah, the, the, this, this show. show, not yeah, yeah. the morning show. No, 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 the, okay, the, the, this show, this show. Um, and yeah, I mean, I had a, a way too many barley pops to remember what his name was, but uh, yeah, he was a big fan, and it was like literally in, in the middle of Steamboat Springs. We had another fellow native from uh, Jacksonville, so that was really cool to see. I will write down Steamboat Springs on the roll call list. Yeah, yeah, Good to have yeah. you, absolutely, young man, old yeah. man. Uh, Appreciate it. Older. We'll buy that guy a barley pop. Next there you go. <laughs> older. <laughs> um, that's good stuff. Hey, uh, Casey, uh, skiing or snowboarding, if you were to pick? I don't even know how much you've done of it, but uh, uh, which one are you picking? Yeah, the w- I've only done the water version of both, and the <laughs> skiing hasn't gone well, so let me go with the boarding. Oh, so you've been water skiing? Yeah, like water skiing's tricky. Yeah, not like any like professional way, no, like just sure. behind a boat or something. But yeah, no, it's tough. I was. Uh, true story, I was out there doing it, and I got up in the air, whatever, came down, lost my pants, didn't see that one coming, so then I had to play that game for like a couple hours, no pants, had, yeah, that was, yeah, standing I, up I didn't is, get him back. is like super difficult, and then it's like a killer work on you your shoulders. Oh, you didn't get him back? No. So I just swing that, towel? Towel, yeah. Like that. I don't know where the pants are, rumor has it, they're still in the lake in Indiana somewhere. I like that. <laughs> I tell you, hey, Austin, you been, have you been uh, water skiing? I have been water skiing, yeah. Not for me. I'm, a, I'm, uh, I'm all set with that. Have you? You don't like it. It's it's way too yeah, much man, work. It's, it's awesome. It's way too much work. Now you could do like I guess wakeboarding, kind of similar. Yeah, I, I've never wake. No, I, I heard it has been. I've never wakeboarded before. I've um, done I, that. I, I've kneeboarded. Obviously, tubing is the funnest because that's yeah. just you just lay back and you're at the yeah. mercy of the boat. I actually broke a girl's nose once tubing because the, the guy that we're with was going like 60 miles per hour. And like when she fell off, like yeah. I kind of, I kind of nudged her off. And when she fell off, the wake was so just like hard <laughs> that she broke her nose just from impact. Well, yeah, we're in high school. I, hey, we're, we're happen, in high school. Yeah, it's we're, we're in high school. I kind of, he admits it. By the way, all these years later, I kind of nudged her off. Well, no, that's, that's the point. You, I mean, you, you have to play king of the tube. You have to play the last person on the tube. That's that's how you do it. Come on now. Uh, I think water ski. I think water skiing, by the way, is like super underrated. Like it's, I haven't done it in a long time now, but I love water skiing. So yeah. I've still never been snowboarding. Got to do it someday, I guess. I'm not sure I'd be good. I'm halfway decent at skiing. Last time I did it, though, was a long time ago. Weber's driving home right now from uh, West Palm Beach. Uh, Weber's more of a skier than snowboarder. So. Uh, I wonder what everybody is out there in Jacksonville. That's a funny question to ask in Jacksonville, it feels like. Skiing or snowboarding? Uh, maybe water skiing is a safer bet. All right, we take a break. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. What else comes out of the owners' meetings? Uh, we told you about uh, a practice that the Jags will have with the Atlanta Falcons. A few more details on that. The right side of the line could be a big-time competition. Doug Peterson's thoughts on the running back room and Trevor Lawrence. 
still to come, plus the OT rule. Will it change? And Austin's got some explaining to do with that bracket. I mean, my goodness, he's got to explain something today. I don't know if they were chanting Murray State or Wisconsin oh, that, on the oh, slope. Oh, that's whatever, man. Springs. That happens. <laughs> we'll be back on ESPN 690. right now it's just on the surface you know we're, we're not doing anything football you know with them and it's really kind of me getting to know them and them getting to know me and that's I think that's the number one thing that uh, with a new head coach you know for them uh, just kind of gaining gaining their trust you know this offseason and trying to build that anytime I get a chance to run into the guys that is Doug Peterson today at the NFL owners meetings in Palm Beach at the breakers and uh, beautiful setting for the owners' meetings, just give you an idea of, of what it's like down there. Again, we've been a few times, um, and I can't remember it being so busy. It just shows you how covered the NFL is, and a little bit of it. Everybody's a back to normal um, and traveling again, and so I think more people are out and about. But so many folks from the NFL, media-wise, the national media, obviously the coaches, uh, the GMs, personnel, not all like the assistant coaches and everybody, but uh, just walking around a hotel and, and they're going from room to room meeting about different things, uh, from diversity in the NFL to gambling in the NFL to competition committee, all these different um, meetings and committees. And by the way, Shot Khan and Tony Khan are on several committees, both, uh, which obviously shows you a little bit of Tony Khan's stature in the ownership part of the Jacksonville Jaguars if he's on committees. I don't know how many other teams have that hmm. where uh, they're, somebody like Tony Khan is on a committee, Austin. So I don't know. I, I'll have to get the full list, but um, the Shad Khan's on several. Tony Khan, I think, is on two. And one of the ones that Tony's on includes, like, the future of football. So pretty fascinating to see what goes on at these meetings. And one more just illustration. You basically walk through the, the hotel lobby, and today – You'll see, like, Robert Sala and Mike McDaniel, the new Dolphins coach, and um, you name your coach. I saw Andy Reid rock right by. They're all going to, like, it's like a class, you know, mm -hmm. where they yeah. go from room to room after the media availability. So, uh, and you'll run into, like, you'll watch Bill Belichick and, and Schefter were, like, chatting for 15 minutes, like, at 9 o'clock this morning, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, how many scoops do you think Schefter got there? How how many Tommy Bahama shirts are being worn by these coaches? Would you say? Oh uh, yeah, um, all of them. Oh yeah, all of them. Oh yeah. Like oh, no no yeah, no, without, no 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 don't don't, don't put King don't put Kingsbury McVeigh in that category. Yeah, I didn't see Kingsbury McVeigh. That's a good call. Okay. Uh, Andy Reid, I saw uh, Tommy of Bahama shirt. Of course. Uh, of course. Belichick, Tommy Bahama shirt. Sure. Uh, I think Mike McDaniel had a Tommy Bahama esque shirt. David. Um, uh, Vrabel, yes. Uh, Peterson actually had a golf shirt on. Okay. Uh, who else did I see? Oh, Salah, Tommy Bahama esque, but it was kind. It was. It wasn't like a printed one, right? It was just a solid color. I like that. Um, Straight so, business. Yeah, Mike McDaniel was too. So that's a really good call. Um, in fact, there's a picture in front of the hotel that's floating around social media oh, that's what we of got most it. of the coaches, if not all, and you can probably identify. All the Tommy Bahama. I like that. Let's go, let's go to the wall. It says it all here and see who's swagging and who's not. <laughs> Saying Ron Rivera, front and center, and he's looking good. 
Robert yeah, Downey's got a Tommy Bahama, but it, but it's more of like a, it's kind of like a violet purple blend he's got going on. I he love did, that. I saw him. Matt yeah. Rule looks like Matt Rule looks like he's in a, a seventh grade middle school choir concert right now, and his parents <laughs> dressed him. Hey. Get something a little more tailor-fitted. You, you got paid how many dollars? You, you're there for how long in Carolina? And you look ridiculous. Uh, I mean, Harbaugh, blue-collar, obviously. Sean McVay, classy, swaggering. I, I like it. Lovey Smith with that beard, black shirt. Oh, I mean, mm, the salt and pepper. So good. The, the salt and pepper mane always sets it off. Doug Peterson looks good. I'm not mad at Doug Peterson. Uh, Mike Tomlin always brings it. What we're talking about, shaved his head. Actually, I know he shaved his head. Yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, that's about it. That's all I gotta say. But I mean, Matt Rule, you're, you're better than that, man. <laughs> Is he though? You're just better he? than that. Hey, <laughs> hey, Casey, <laughs> get your team in line. You see Matt Rule in the picture? Nah, I didn't. Oh, dude, he's got it. Come on, man. And, and, and the pants are way too baggy. The, those are like Jinko. He's, he's rocking Jinko khakis right now, which makes zero sense. Yeah, man, not not a good look for Matt Rule. Where you see that at? Uh, I just typed in NFL coaches on Twitter. First thing that popped up. How do you feel? How do you feel about uh, you know the muscle shirt underneath the Tommy oh, Bahama good. shirt, kind of poking through like Mike McDaniel? Uh, let's see, if Mike McDaniel. See, he kind of he lost me a little bit. Where's Mike McDaniel? Mike bottom right of the oh, picture. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, <sighs> how do you feel about that look? Like, I, like, see, I'm a little torn on. I'm a guy from New England, and when I got down to the south, like when I was in Louisiana, a lot of folks down here, and I get it because yeah. I've gone to the undershirt too with all the swe- the, the sweating. Sure, but, sure. Like I was always a bigger fan of like the V, like hide the undershirt, right? Yeah, and yeah. And so, but around here, if you wear a polo shirt, like even on TV, a lot of folks will go with the the undershirt, the white undershirt, and you can see it. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, I'm not a big fan of that. Like I get it's like I didn't grow up wearing it because I, I wasn't sweating so much. But then you got the different kind of look with McDaniel uh, where he's got the muscle shirt underneath. But, I mean, he weighs like 135 pounds. Okay. Now, if Robert Sala was wearing that, that'd be a little different. So here's the problem. I mean, listen, and, and I like Mike McDaniel. I'm actually, I'm pretty, and it pains me to say this, but uh, I think that the Dolphins fans should be excited for what, what Mike McDaniel's bringing to the table. You know, they get Tyreek Hill now, but his offensive Influence, I think, and his just kind of mind for the game is it's outside the box a little bit. I think it could correlate to some success in Miami. But Miami Dolphins, your head coach looks like a mannequin from Gap Kids. He, he looks. <laughs> I like he, that. He, 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 I mean, look at him. I was don't, gonna, don't, don't wear the, the undershirt when it's because it points through. I was going to call him the great value Sean McVay because okay. he's going for the McVay vibe, yeah, but it's just but wrong. He, he, there's no way you can pull that off. That's what so, I'm saying. Yeah. Don't don't rock the undershirt, you know, <laughs> underneath the T-shirt. It's just you look ridiculous there. Sal looks good. Sal looks classic. Brable looks good. Listen, um, yeah, I'm I finally found her. somebody. I finally found somebody to <laughs> I finally found somebody to trump Austin's designation of me as a bouncer at the Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> a mannequin at Cap Kids. Hey, and uh, I'm going to say one, one more thing, uh, and I'm not trying to be too much of a hater now, but front row, Josh McDaniels, I'm not sure if it's the angle or if you're addicted to gluten, but you might want to laugh the gluten a little bit because just, you know, stay puffed marshmallow, man. That's all I'm saying. And, and then we're done. Now let's move on. Let's move on. Yeah. That's it. Well, by the way, this is this is you gotta be really careful here now because everybody, somebody's gonna get slapped if you don't watch yourself. Oh no, for sure, for sure. And don't worry, Sh- Shock Your Mock is gonna cover that today as well. <laughs> Obviously. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We'll get to every show in America has to cover that today. For sure. So for we sure. will cover. Yes. Uh, what went happened? What happened last night? But that's we're gonna save it to Shock Your Mock. Hey, um, how about let's talk about a football battle? 
for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I I heard today and interpreted when because I, I asked uh, Doug Peterson about Jawan Taylor. Everybody's talking about Cam Robinson and and their offensive line and obviously Sheriff coming in and then obviously news of Linder ends up happening after the fact once he got off the podium. But I had asked about Jawan Taylor. I said, hey, you know the narrative is not good on Taylor and. It, what do you guys see? Do you have confidence there? And he said a little bit of nice things about Jawan Taylor and, and some flashes is what he talked about. But he immediately brought Walker Little into the fold on that conversation. Mm-hmm. I think this is shaping up to be a Walker Little, Jawan Taylor battle for the right tackle spot, which also shows you that they probably are comfortable playing Walker Little at the right tackle spot in part. That's why they would have signed Cam Robinson. The franchise tag may even extend him some more. Uh, that will be a battle that, that really could be intriguing and very good, Austin, come August for the Jags' right tackle spot. Yeah, it's going to have to be. You know, when you chose to franchise take Cam Robinson, now there's talks of, you know, giving him a new contract. I mean, you are you have pot committed yourself now to Cam Robinson, which, okay, uh, I mean, that's that, the, that's your idea. You like what you saw on tape. You feel like he's the future going forward, then so be it. But you didn't take Walker Little as high as you did last year for no reason. So, yeah, now you insert Walker Little on the right side of the line. Um, I think it's going to be a true training camp battle between Juwan Taylor and Walker Little. And the best part about that is is that Doug Peterson, I don't think, is really tied to anybody. So the best guy is going to win. You know, so sometimes coaches, yeah. they, have, they have their preference or maybe this coach drafted that guy or, or he, you know, he knows. I don't think there's any of that here. So it's going to be a true training camp battle. And, you know, knock on wood, hopefully nobody gets hurt. But the best right tackle is going to prevail out of that. And then I think from there you can ask yourself, okay, do you have Walker Little? Do you have Juan Taylor become a swing tackle? Can you move them to guard? A lot of possibilities after that battle is complete. Yeah, I think, that, listen, we've had some decent battles over the years in variety of positions. I think this one's fascinating because, to me, the, the, the player that is always about ready to have his best season is the guy that's, on, that's been – questioned that struggled has talent and is heading into his last year and so that's Jawan Taylor last year of his rookie deal this is a big time season for him his future not only in Jacksonville but maybe how much he could get paid in the NFL and then you have Walker Little who I think is really an interesting part of the pie here because the Jacksonville Jaguars Trent Bulky was a part of this picked him in the second round, utilized a 45th overall pick for a player. You want to see that guy play. Mm. You want to get something out of that kind of selection. And so I think that sets up a fascinating battle at the right tackle spot. If the loser is Walker Little, then he's your swing guy. If the loser is Jawan Taylor, I think he's just your backup right tackle. So there's a lot to be said here. No, Will Richardson got re-signed as more depth, and we're already talked about Shatley, and, of course, Sheriff has been signed. So uh, there's a lot to be said about this offensive line still, and everybody, again, hates the offensive line, uh, but the Jacksonville Jaguars will have some sincere competition on that right side. Uh, news today, by the way, we'll let you know of this. Um, Action Sports Jacks reported earlier. Uh, Doug Peterson basically told me that the Jags will play the Falcons in August. Now, the NFL has not released the preseason schedule yet, but, I mean, we always know that they play the Falcons like every year in the preseason if they're not playing them in the regular season especially. And they will practice in Flowery Branch, Georgia. Uh, We don't know when that will be just yet. But, Austin, it's going to be a pretty wild 
preseason for the Jacksonville Jaguars. This training camp is going to be unlike many since maybe the first year of the Jacksonville Jaguars because they have an extended preseason mm. with the Hall of Fame game, thanks to Tony Baselli's induction into the Hall of Fame. And so they're going up to Canton early. They start early. Now you add in the practice, which is fine. A lot of teams do that. The Jags have done that. You still have three preseason games in addition to the Hall of Fame game. And the biggest thing, I believe, is the logistics of what the Jaguars are going to do. They're building the performance center on their old practice fields. They can't utilize that area. They will utilize the stadium. They will utilize the flex field. But they will actually be bused to other fields at times, this training camp. It's going to be not the smoothest for this first year of Doug Peterson's tenure in Jacksonville when it comes to a training camp, and that could just add to the stress of a player. I'm interested to get your thoughts on on how that might set up for some of these guys. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be the most ideal situation in terms of, you know, the resources now that you're, you're trying to build a new practice facility and everything like that. Um, at the same time, though, I'm not mad at them, you know, practicing on the game field, essentially. You know, I mean, that's um, especially if you're a younger guy that I can kind of give you more of a feel of what it's going to be like on game day. And you can't mimic, obviously, the, the crowd, which is it's, it's impossible to do that no matter how much music you play. But at least just being in that stadium and getting a feel for it. I mean, th there could be some benefit to that. But I think the most important thing now going forward is when you have that extra preseason game, when you start a little earlier, this is going to give Doug Peterson a lot more time to evaluate the talent that he has because yes you looked at the previous film from last year and that's great but what those players were asked to do last year is going to be probably a huge difference of what you asked them to do this year in terms of philosophy and scheme so you need as much practice as possible to try to evaluate these guys and see okay who can fit in this system who's gonna be our starters going forward who's gonna be our depth guys and who, maybe who's not gonna make the team so the more practices, the, the, the more footage that you can get of practice to evaluate, the better. So actually, I do like that from the Jaguar standpoint. It's just a matter of now it's going to be a little discombobulated just because it's not going to be like your traditional practices now that you're changing fields. So do you look at that whole starting early and, and maybe even a little bit of this built-in adversity that Doug doesn't have to create as, as potentially a positive thing? For him I, and for the team. I mean, pending that he, he's going to go about it the right way, which I assume he is, yeah, I think the extra time is only going to benefit this team in terms of, you know, getting acclimated to what Doug Peterson runs, but also Doug Peterson getting to evaluate the players even more. Yeah, by the way, in the offseason conditioning program, the Jags will utilize the flex field and the, the, the game field. They'll be uh, using TIAA Bank in part. I think that's one of the reasons that uh, the Jags draft party probably won't be out there. Um, I'll let them handle all the interesting notes that they plan to share at some point. But uh, there's just a lot of things being jockeyed around. And I, like, I don't think it's a huge deal. But I think it's a different deal for, for creatures of habit. Athletes, coaches, people are creatures of habit. The good thing, I guess, under Doug Peterson, there is no habit yet. It's his first time here in Jacksonville, and the players will have to adapt. So I guess that's a good thing. We'll be back. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Uh, coming back and just around the corner, Shock Your Mock 2022 coming up at 4 o'clock as well. Yeah, I've been, I've been real impressed with them. Um, you know, they, they just want to win. They just want to win. That's kind of been the, the general theme of all the guys. And, you know, it's uh, it's really a good locker room. It's a young locker room. 
And, uh, you know, we just got to get them to come together and, uh, you know, find the leaders of the group and, and get them going. That is Doug Peterson today at the NFL owners meetings. Brett Martineau on the way back to Jacksonville. Action Sports Jack Studios filled with Austin Lane and Casey Kurtz here on a Monday. A shock your mock Monday. One month away from the NFL draft. Uh, I will say this about the locker room, and Stewart brought this up earlier when we were doing some TV things. Uh, Miles Jack, gone. Captain. Brandon Linder, retired. Gone. Captain. Last three years, Jags have lost their Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee. So they've lost some good pieces in the locker room. Um, so it's just something to keep an eye on. That being said, I think the locker room was terrific last year for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think it was one of the high points with Trevor Lawrence and his maturity and guys like Shaq Griffin. Somehow those guys banded together amidst a mess with Urban Meyer and at least held it together. I think in some locker rooms, this whole situation, believe it or not, could have even been worse. And so I think Doug Peterson walks into a pretty good situation with that. And I hear Christian Kirk is going to be a great locker room guy for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I think um, these are positive signs for Doug that, that at least he's got a good collection of hopefully talent, but also uh, good men in that room to be able to spin this thing in the right direction. Brett Martin, Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz. Hey, let's get uh, Steven in real quick. Brandon Linder retires today. One of the big stories here on a Monday. That leaves a bit of a hole now on the offensive line of the Jacksonville Jaguars. What's happening, Steven? Hey, not too much. How are you guys doing today? Good, man. How you doing? Awesome. Uh, doing all right. Just listening to your snowboard story. Reminded me when I was 13, went on the Colorado Mountain first time, and gravity was not my friend, and I rolled down a mountain. <laughs> uh, did, you, did you get seriously hurt or not? Did you have to go to the ski patrol hut? Uh, I, broke, uh, uh, I broke my arm. Oh, wow. Yeah, that'll do it. Hey, I was 13, completely worth it. The nurse, spectacular. Nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, anyways, anyways uh, continuing. Uh, hearing what you're saying, and... But I also agree with what Austin had to say. You do have other holes and needs in the NFL draft. I mean, my first... Uh, Four picks should be edge, linebacker, if they don't address it, wide receiver, and interior offensive lineman. But my question is, if for some odd reason at 33, because everybody's replenishing all their weapons that, you know, whether it be they lost in free agency or lost in trade, start stocking up on uh, weapons and everything, is somehow Tyler Lindenbaum, the top interior offensive lineman in this draft, just happens to play center, falls to you at 33, you, Austin, if you were a GM or a coach, yeah, I might want that guy over a receiver right now if he's that good. All right, man, thank you. So, yeah, Linderbaum I don't think is going to drop to the second round. Um, everything that I've heard about him, whether it's, you know, some former coaches that ha have coached him, that I've talked to about him, whether it's hopefully his replacement coming up with Michael Mazinski. I saw him a couple, uh, about a month ago, two months ago um, at the gym, and I talked to him about Taylor Lindenbaum. This guy is an absolute stud. Um, I think everyone believes that he's going to be like the next big thing from the center position. Now, what does that mean? How many centers can you really name um, in the NFL? Well, if you go, like, on the analysis on NFL.com, Lanton Zerline's calling him the next Jason Kelsey, who we just talked about. Uh, that was with Doug Peterson. So very high praise for a guy um, coming out of college. 
listen, if he's there, I think it's hard to pass up in the second round. I really do. But I just can't perceive that uh, a special talent like that is going to fall to the second round, even though he's a center. That would be very high on the value chart, and that you take uh, okay, Brad, I think we're losing, man. We'll have to get you back. But, yeah, when we talk about Taylor Lindemann, um, and I think they talked about this. It might have been during the Big Ten Championship, if I'm not mistaken, or, or a game before that. But I remember I was watching Iowa. And, you know, Iowa, usually they, they have their fair share of great offensive linemen. And I think the latest that um, is kind of on the radar would be a guy in Tristan Wirfs. And at Iowa, because, well, it's in the middle of nowhere and it's farm country, they have this thing where it's like a hay bale toss. Um, and it's kind of like a tradition within the team where, you know, essentially a player is going to toss a hay bale. They see how long they can toss it. And then, you know, the, the, the winner of that gets some sort of plaque or trophy, whatever it is. But it's like the Iowa hay bale toss. Well, Tristan Wirfs for, you know, for a while had that record. And obviously Tristan Wirfs in his own right has already made himself one of the best right tack- tackles in the NFL. And now we talk about a guy in Taylor Lindenbaum, by my understanding, absolutely, and I quote, smashed Tristan Wirfs' hay-bill tossing record, whatever you want to call it. Now, what does that mean in the grand scheme of things? Does that mean that Taylor Lindenbaum's going to be, like, the next best center? No. But I think it goes to show you just how powerful this guy is. And, of course, when you talk about the center position more than any other position, maybe, anchor, power, it's everything, right? Because you're, you're always at a disadvantage from the center position. Think about it. Your hand's on the ball. you got to make your reads. you got to make sure the ball gets there. So you're at a competitive disadvantage off the get-go. So if you can get a guy who you know is going to be a pro bowler, a guy who could probably be an all-pro in a couple years, yeah, regardless of the position, except probably punter and kicker, um, I think you take a long, hard look at him. I just don't see him falling to the second round. But if he does, I'm not opposed to it. More on ESPN 690 when we get back. With the McDonald's app, you can get your favorite thing delivered to your door. So if you were looking for a reason to skip washing those dishes you left in the sink, consider this a sign. Right now, get $0 delivery fee with any purchase of $15 or more. Only in the app. At participating McDonald's, minimum purchase excludes tax and service fees. Delivery prices may be higher than in restaurants. Other fees may apply. Not valid with any other offer, discount, or coupon.